0: Welcome to episode number 146 of the Lions Podcast. My name is Matt Brown, joined each and every week by Brett Colson, Brad Allen, where we run down every single game in the NFL. Guys, I will let you know, I have a few, I have zero opinions on this week. I would like to, uh, I'm very interested to see what you think about some of these games. Uh, Real quick, guys, everything that we do over on the lines.com so be sure and head over there you can follow brett at brett colson you can follow brad at brad allen nfl you can follow me at matt brown m2 for all of my terrible takes uh let's kick things off on thursday uh real quick coming out of thursday brett changes your opinion at all on any on either team or did everything go kind of as planned for you
1: well, I did not watch the second half. It sounds like I missed uh, some fun there at the end. From what I gathered on on social media, Anthony Lynn got out by John Gruden. Is that is that right? I yeah, I, still have to yeah. watch. I have to watch the uh, the condensed version later. today. So yeah, I right. mean,
0: look, Anthony Lynn Anthony Lynn was trying very hard to lose this game, yeah. but then John Gruden just tried a little bit harder. So yeah, it was it was good on uh, good on him. Justin Herbert, if you watched the first half, then you mm-hmm. will know why they ran the ball. At all, Why they ran the ball even in time is beyond me. Whatever Herbert was literally completing passes at will against this beat up, uh, I guess this beat up defense that had, was missing five starters. Yet Anthony Lynn decided to continue to pound the ball into the line. Like for 1.4 yards an attempt in the first half, I was just, I was dying, guys. I was, I was dying. But, uh, Brad, I can only imagine, uh, Herbert ends up 22 of 32 for, uh, 314 yards in this game. I assume this uh, locks up, it was
2: already a lock, but that this locks up rookie of the year, right? Uh, yeah, it has to be. Um, I mean, my key takeaway was I, I cannot back the Chargers this year, unfortunately. Like, Lin just restricts them to two downs you know it's the first down run for one yard and then if it's fourth and less like fourth and four he's punting it you know no matter where he is on the field and like they they could not have been more efficient on offense and they still could have lost the game against the backup quarterback and just watching it I was just I, I cannot back this man because he is he's so inept despite how good his team is
0: he he really is. It is just uh, it it is insanity. But they do come out with the win in overtime, and uh, the over gets there. And uh, if you had the Chargers, you uh, you got there as well. But boy, it was a it was a ride. It was a roller coaster ride. Uh, all right, so let's talk Saturday football, shall we? Let's talk uh, Buffalo Bills and the Denver Broncos, Brett. Every time we talk about the Bills, we start with you even though I'm a bigger bills fan than you are this year, I have been stumping for this team over and over and over again. And here we are a Saturday game. It's a, uh, it is going to be a marquee matchup despite the fact that the opponent is not very good because everybody is going to be watching. It's a standalone game on a Saturday. Um, you look at what we're what we're getting out of the bills we're not going to get John Brown back it looks like they're going to wait one more week to have him back at, back on the field that being said Gabriel Davis has stepped up to be a nice little third option there uh Cole Beasley as the number 2 option has worked out so far and of course Steph Diggs is just going absolutely bananas every single time he steps on the field the bills don't run a ton when they do run it's more of a change of pace type thing. It seems like uh it seems like Mcdermott and dabble have figured out how to make this team tick and i I really do just expect this to uh to keep on happening here this week uh I will let everybody know I have a Saturday teaser of epic proportions like this is a A Bills-Packers teaser on Saturday will dictate how my entire weekend goes. Um, Brett, how do you think this uh, six-point spread right now looks to you?
1: I'm a little surprised it hasn't gotten closer to seven, given all the Bills' support right now. There are a lot of names on this Broncos injury report. Uh, although it does look like they will have some of these key players on the offensive side of the ball uh, available on Saturday. And that's going to be important when you're facing a Bills team that is difficult to stop and tries to get into a track meet with you. One predictive uh, one predictive metric I like to look at every week is red zone scoring. Uh, red zone scoring defense. Uh, such huge leverage plays over small samples can be misleading if you're diving into these numbers, especially for a defense that does not w- uh, perform well outside the 20s. That's not to say Denver's defense hasn't been solid this year. It has, but this is the number one red zone scoring defense in the NFL while they're 13th in defense DVOA, 21st in points per play defense. So I think there's still room for some regression there, some negative regression, and the Bills have underperformed in the red zone this year. They're 18th, so could be some deception baked into this line. So I kind of like the Bills. Uh, Anything short of seven, which is... (laughs) Funny to say because I've been so anti Bills this year. Just Mm. I guess the 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 bias built into my brain. But look, this this offense has been tremendous. I'm the biggest Brian Dable stand there is. I'm pushing for Coach of the Year for him right now. Like I feel like he should be in the discussion because of what this offense has looked like. Like you said, they don't run the football, uh, but they still run play action as much as anybody in the NFL, Mm. and it's it's working. Like they just it's it's such a hard offense to prepare for. Um, so I I love what they're doing and I think, yeah, anything short of seven here. I kind of like Buffalo
0: Brad. This is a, uh, I mean, not the worst offense in the NFL, but it is certainly amongst the discussion of worst offenses in the NFL on the Broncos side. Of the ball, and which is which is why you know in today's NFL, I tend to always side with a very 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 good offense over a bad over over a good defense because eventually the offense is going to win out, and uh, you know they are going to put the ball in the end zone, they're going to get some points on the board and I start to look this Buffalo defense has played better over the last month and a half of the season they are starting to kind of get figure things out I mean they got healthier as well Trey White I think probably wasn't healthy most of the year until you know up until recently that certainly helps with them as well, I don't know where Denver's points come from. Can you tell me how Denver scores points or scores enough points in this game
2: to uh, to keep this within six? Um, well, they've they've got the weapons, haven't they? Um, I, th- I think the Broncos are a very high variance team just because of all the kind of deep balls that they throw. So obviously, you know, th- those are just variable mm. plays sometimes you hit them well most of the time the season they haven't hit them they've been bad at them uh, but when they do hit them they can you know he, he went for like 10 yards an attempt last week uh, without his left tackle and, and with Fant leaving early so they can do it it's just quite hard to predict when they're going to do it um, so yeah I, I'm not really sure the, the thing I'm most confident about here is the Bills scoring points um, mm. as you say A it's smart scheme I've got them number one in early down success rate for the entire season now um, Allen's is a, a top ten quarterback, PFF grade top five passing unit by EPA, so they're 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 excellent. And what they'll do here, I imagine, is the Broncos are down four cornerbacks here, so I think they're going to come out yeah. four wide and just pass eighty percent of the time. Um, and I would imagine they go up and down the field. So I guess the question is how how you want to play it. I, I would probably it on on the handicap would definitely lean the Bills way minus six. I think it is currently. Um, but I'm a little bit concerned about the cross country travel with a day less rest. This is like a fight because they are on the Monday night now. So it's like a five day rest for them. Um, and then obviously flying to Denver playing altitude is a bit of a concern. So I'll probably prefer the over 49 because I, I mm-hmm. do think that we get enough YOLO balls with all these weapons from, um, yeah. from lock that we, we score points or, or you stick with the bills team total around 28. Um, so yeah, that's how I'm playing it. Probably those, those overs.
0: Yeah, like I said, this is uh the opener of a teaser leg for me, taking the Bills down to a pick'em and pairing it up with the Packers here. The second game on Saturday, the Panthers versus the Packers. Eight and a half is our spread right now in favor of the Packers. 51 and a half is the total that we are looking at. You can find an eight. Over at Points Bet right now, so this thing is actually moving the other direction. At FanDuel, you can find a seven and a half if you want to. So there is a, a whole point difference between DraftKings and FanDuel. The Panthers getting support. And Brad, this is kind of opposite of what we have seen so far this year. People tend to react or overreact, I should say to news and uh, especially the casual better. And when they saw that, uh, you know, when the news came out that Christian McCaffrey is not going to play this week, I actually thought the number either would stay the same or go the other way. I certainly did not think the number would start going uh, the, uh, the the opposite direction, which is pretty interesting because that's not how it's worked so far this year. People have this like weird eighteen hour delay on news, and then they act on news, and then it's and even though the news has been out there the whole time. But um, yeah, no, no Christian McCaffrey this week, sitting seven and a half at uh, at FanDuel, eight and a half over at DraftKings. What do you think, Panthers and Packers?
2: I think I quite like points. So, I mean, just on the offensive side of it with the Packers first, they're number one in football outsiders past year the number one in PFF offense grade going up against 28th ranked Panthers defense. Um, I, I can't see much pressure coming with the Packers got the best offensive line in the league. So we like Packers points. Um, and then I, I guess I probably quite like Panthers points coming back the other way. Um, this total stuck around 51 and a half a week. Um, they're getting DJ Moore back this week. Um, now, the way I prefer to play is probably the first half over um, because I think the, the Carolina offense is better than Bridgewater. And I feel like earlier in the game, we get more of the script. Um, and then later in the game, we get more of kind of the raw talent of the quarterback. And, and Bridgewater's 25th graded uh, PFF quarterback, whereas the offense itself is is 14th in, in PFF grade. So... I like the first half over um, and then the other nugget I would add to that is um, true media expected points added model. Um, the Packers have been the best in the entire NFL on opening drives this year in um, adding expected points. So yeah, I think first half around 25 and a half, 25, you can probably get uh, I quite like that over.
0: Brett, uh, both teams pretty good on the injury report outside of uh, McCaffrey. Uh, looks like there are some questionables on the Panther side, most notably Russell Okung. But I think he, uh, as of yesterday, was kind of looking at least like possibly he was going to give this thing a go. So uh, both both teams pretty good on the injury report. Nothing to really, really worry about. Um, so depending on which way you want to go with this, do you like the seven and a half or do you like the eight and a half? What do you think about the uh, the Panthers and the Packers?
1: Yeah, Carolina's lost seven games in a row, so it's interesting to see this moving toward Carolina. I, I do see this as a spot to buy back on them, uh, getting a lot of points mm-hmm. uh, in a spot where they should be able to produce offense against a team that really struggles defending through the air. And like Brad said, Carolina gets his top receiver back this week, and DJ Moore, they seem to be okay last week without Moore, but you add that weapon, uh, obviously a, a huge change. And what they can do offensively. So I, I like Carolina North of seven. If you can get eight and a half, that, that looks pretty good too. Um not a game I would play, but if you're, if you're looking for action on Saturday and, and a spot to, to bet here, I, I would need Carolina.
0: Yeah. I, uh, again, I have the, uh, I have this as a teaser leg again. I love, love, love getting the Packers down to under a field goal in this situation. Look, um, they're all NFL players. We talk about this a million times, but there are, Very big things at play here for the Packers, which is the number one seed in the NFC. I do not think we have to worry about a letdown here. I do not think we have to worry about a look ahead. I do not think we have to worry about them taking their foot. Off of the gas in this at all because of everything that's at stake here. Of course, we know there's only one buy in the NFL this year, and uh, the Packers currently hold that buy, and that is going to be very, very important. And they're going to want to hold on to that. So uh, I'm not worried about that at all. The other, the other thing here, I'm looking at the, uh, I'm looking at the player props, and even though it is ridiculously high, Devontae Adams is set at 87 yards. I am still playing over on 87 yards on Devontae Adams. All that guy does is go out and get a hundred yards receiving every single time he steps on the field. Um he is the number six receiver In the NFL, after missing two games, he is only 106 yards behind Travis Kelsey, who is a leading receiver in the NFL, and he missed two whole games. That's how much uh, Devontae Adams get used in this offense or whatever. So another way I would go about playing this as well is is looking at him on that. But uh, both, like I said, Saturday teaser leg for me, guys, Bills and the Packers, and hopefully that kicks things off really nicely for me for the weekend let's talk Bears and the Vikings Brett it is a three and a half point spread in favor of the Vikings the total coming in at 46 and a half depending on where you go about uh, getting this game you are looking at one that may be on the move because there is a lot of juice currently right now out there at least at FanDuel we're looking uh, very very heavily juiced on the Bears and that thing might be heading to a flat three it is a flat three over at points bet so the three three and a half depending on where you want to go and again a total of 46 a good Bears defense that has really shown up pretty much most weeks for this team a horrible offense and uh, a Vikings team that is about as middle of the road as it comes what do you think about this one
1: I'm trying to figure out what happened last week that caused this to move three points off the look ahead to a key number. Like this was minus six when it opened last week at FanDuel. Now we're looking at three. Yeah. Chicago blew out Houston and the Vikings lost, but that's a huge move. Uh, and just, just a month ago, the Vikings went into Chicago outdoors and beat the bears by six. Now the team with the the far better offense returns home inside of a dome. Uh, so I, I think there's, there's some, some value built into the Vikings at this number. Uh, My play is the under, though. I like the under quite a bit. Neither of these teams seem to have any interest in scoring a lot of points every week, which is baffling because Minnesota is actually built to score a lot of points with with these playmakers. They're still operating at the 28th fastest pace, and they apparently hate to throw the football, especially when they're ahead. I guess that's what you get when you have a defensive minded coach. Uh, so I like the under 46 and a half and I, yeah, I lean Minnesota uh, at the number. I think the market is over adjusting for what happened last week. I capped this game at Minnesota minus three and a half. So uh, I think there, I think there is some value with three.
0: Yeah. I like the three as well on Minnesota. Again, we kind of go back to what I asked uh, and I'm going to, Brad, I'm going to ask you again um, when I asked you this about the Broncos a little bit earlier. Tell me how the Bears score. I understand that this is a very bad, um, that, well, not very bad, that it is not, not a great Minnesota defense by any stretch of the imagination, but this team just cannot move the ball with any consistency whatsoever. And I think Minnesota has enough to where they will stop them more than they get stopped. Um, I think an ugly game, probably a field goal game, which is why this one wouldn't make – uh, my card here, if this somehow got to two and a half, maybe I would come in on the Vikings. But um, seems like a dirty, ugly, like 20 to 17 type game to me. What say you?
2: Yeah, I'm probably in agreement with you two. Um, you know, I, I think like Evan Silver was doing the rounds this week saying how he loves the over here. Um, I think there's a little bit of, of recency bias in that. Um, I mean, the Bears. I think that, that so they're sixth in EPA added on offense over the last three weeks, but they have faced the Texans and the Lions, who are two of right. two of the bottom two defenses in the NFL, probably. Right. Um, and I think Zimmer is, you know, I think he's smart enough to confuse Trubisky. Their their rookie cornerbacks are playing a little bit little bit better. Cameron dancelows is, is one of the one of the best graded rookies in the league the last few weeks. Um, so yeah, I, I do I do like them to slow Trubisky down, as you say, and then on the other side of the ball, I, I do think the Bears match up relatively well with the Vikings um, just because of the, the pass rush. You know, that's kind of... We've seen this match up a lot this year, mm-hmm. well, over the last few years, and, and that Bears pass rush has always kind of kept the Vikings in check. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the first meeting they scored 32 points, was it? Yeah, 32 points, and that included um, Cordero Patterson's kickoff return for a touchdown. So you can say 25 offensive points there. Um, and yeah, and as as... As Brett said, it's they're both bottom 10 in terms of pace and both top 10, top five in terms of how often they run the football. So I think we might see a lot a lot of rushing, a lot of moving clock, and um, yeah, a less exciting game than some hope. So I think under 46 is probably the look currently. Yep,
0: yeah, that's the way I would look at this one again. If it does hit two and a half, you could interest me. I don't know if it'll move that far, but uh, that would be the interest level for me in this one. Detroit Lions and the Tennessee Titans. This is the first of a few games that I have no interest in whatsoever. Brad, if you have interest in the Lions and Titans, let me know. It is currently an 11 or a 10.5 point spread. We do not know if Matthew Stafford is going to be playing quarterback for the Detroit Lions and with that, I will not be probably, I will probably not be playing this game. Uh, what do you think about uh, Lions and Titans? I've not bet it
2: a bit like you. There's there's a lot going on with, with, with Stafford. I think maybe you could look at the under if we do get um, Chase Daniels at quarterback the Titans want to give Derek Henry about 200 carries so he gets to 2000 yards Um, so they might just grind out and the Lions might not be able to move the ball but yeah I'm not involved Uh, Brett, uh, yeah, I mean, look, the only thing I
0: can say is, yeah, take the over on Henry carries in this game. That's about like, that's about (laughs) the only thing we we know that that's going to happen, but that's outside of that. Uh, not a lot of interest for me in this one.
1: Yeah. Tennessee, uh, tends to pummel bad teams on the ground in positive game script. This, this definitely feels like one of those spots. So Henry could see 30 plus carries here.
0: Yeah, and and look, like like Brad said, there is something about getting him to that 2,000-yard mark if they can, and so I, I imagine they will try to do that if at all possible. Houston Texans and the Indianapolis Colts, this is sitting seven and a half right now. It is a 51 total at DraftKings. It is a 50 and a half total over at FanDuel. Again, I don't play too many key numbers and totals very often, but 51 is the one that I do actually uh, try try to either avoid or get to depending on whatever we're at. So the difference between 50 and a half and 51 to me actually does make a little bit of a difference. So be sure and shop around as we say, always uh, make sure you're getting the best number on this. So, um brett this is a indianapolis team that to me and i think that it bears out even just the advanced metrics if you look over the over the last about month of the season seems like on the offensive side of the ball is finally starting to figure things out this is a team that we've talked about all year long on this podcast we've all said hey look a pretty good defense but the offense is is pretty boring and can't really get anything going and that's really tough to back a team that you don't know what you're going to get well i mean you know uh, the, the bye week came and went the uh they figured out maybe something with T Y Hilton. He has emerged over the last month as someone who's actually contributing to this team. And I think this Colts team is a, is a a pretty well-rounded pretty well-balanced team at this juncture, but are they worthy of a touchdown and a hook over the Texans?
1: Yeah. For a while, I was afraid of laying big numbers with Phillip Rivers in this offense, but they have definitely opened it up a bit more. We're seeing more of these skill players like T Y Hilton, Jonathan Taylor, uh, you've got two teams going in opposite directions here. So like, I do understand why this is now up to a full touchdown after opening at six on the look ahead last week. Um, we're also seeing a very different Texans team, uh, a very different yeah. Texans offense without Will Fuller on the field. They can, that cannot be ignored when capping these games because it completely changes the way Watson and this offense operates when you remove what they do best uh you know wide receivers do matter and as good as Watson is like if if guys can't separate and get open uh he's limited in what he can do so i i, I guess i'm leaning the Colts here if you can get 7 i just I, I think this this season is dust for for Houston they have nothing left to play for
0: Yeah, Brandon Cooks isn't even guaranteed to go in this one as well. And so even more pain at the wide receiver position for this Texans team, whose offense really did uh, last week look like, you know, it had evaporated into absolutely nothing. Um, Brad, what do you like about this? uh, What do you like about this Colts team that you're seeing over the last month here? And do you think that translates into – a you know a, a touchdown win here over this Texans team if you want the 7 i think you can hold out and get the seven guys. It's probably going to be going back to seven, and you don't have to lay the hook here because um, there's a it's a juice seven and a half at most of these books.
2: Yeah, I think uh, I think India have turned into an over team, haven't they? So just over yeah. the last uh, over the last five weeks, they're sixth last in the NFL in success rate allowed, and then meanwhile, as you say, the offense has has got a lot better. Uh, it might be a but Rivers getting used to kind of the scheme, the system, you know, without much off without much off-season practice. Uh, T.Y. Hilton's got better, as you said. Jonathan Taylor's worked out what he's doing. Michael Pittman's come on. So they're, they're suddenly clicking there. I think all the tight ends are healthy as well. Um, and there's absolutely no reason they're not going to continue going nuts here, I don't think. Um, so we know a couple of weeks ago, um, uh, what was his name? Courtney Roby, the, yeah, the cornerback, they lost him. The uh, Houston did, and since then they've given up eight point one yards per pass attempt in both games, um, thirty plus in both games, I think. And there's, and they've simply lost more players since then. Lost their yeah. lost their safety Justin Reed last week. Lost their nose tackle Brandon Dunn to the IR. So I just think Indianapolis are going up and down this field. So I like the first half over best. I think um, again we get we get the Frank Wright script, which is one of the very best in the NFL. Um, And then Houston, yeah, they were terrible last week, but the Brandon Cook's injury on the day of the game, I think that was huge. You know, he wasn't expected to be out till that morning and then suddenly... Kiki Kuti is your, your top target. Akins sure. dropped that touchdown pass in the sun. That, that cost us an over um, that I was watching. So right. so they're not as bad as they were last week. And obviously, when these two played two weeks ago, the Texans were right there on the two when they got a bad snap and fumbled it. Um, so they, they can move the ball on this defense, which, as I say, is, is playing worse in recent weeks. So, yeah, I, I think Houston can keep up there of the bargain as well and get us over sort of 25 for, for the first half.
0: Yeah, if you uh, you know this is kind of built to be an over. We have an offense on the up in the Colts. We have an offense that cannot run the ball at all in Houston, so they throw every single down, which extends the game. Uh, and of course, you know chunk plays and everything like that. I mean, we're talking about the dead last DVOA run offense in the league in Houston, so uh, it is it is just built to pass here. And you look on their on their defensive side. and I know in the past we probably like I think our brains used to tell us that this Texans defense was you know, something to, uh, something to fear. And of course that is not the case anymore at all. The 30th overall defense, according to pro football focus, the 30th, according to DPOA. their pass defense, 26th and 27th, the rush defense, 29th, 31st. So it is uh, all the advanced metrics point to this being a pretty putrid defense as well. So Indianapolis should be able to move the ball up and down. Like you said, as well, Brad, I I mean, uh, Brad, I do like the overlook in this one too. and again the difference between 50 and a half and 51 is massive for playing total. So be sure and get the 50 and a half as opposed to the 51. If you want to play this thing, Jaguars and the Ravens yet another game. I have very little interest in Brad, uh, Brad, it is a 12 and a half point spread in favor of the Ravens. Of course, the Ravens got back on track this past week. Um, Thanks a lot to the defensive scheme that was called by the Browns. The Browns had so little respect for Hollywood Brown and Miles Boykin, which probably is the right thing to think because, uh, you know, those guys are just haven't really panned out to be really great NFL receivers that they went way out of character and played man played band 72% of the time. And we know what that does for rushing quarterbacks. And that allows gigantic holes and, in, and, in, uh, in Lamar Jackson, got to doing his thing again, rushes for over a hundred yards. And, you know, you know, the, the shootout with that game was, was crazy, but uh, Ravens 12 and a half point favorites in this game against a Jaguars team that is going back to Minshew this week, 47
2: and a half on our total. Yeah, just so just on the Browns defense quickly, which which might inform yeah. our, our breakdown of this game. So I was I was just looking through some defensive stats earlier. So they've had the second easiest schedule of opposing offenses they have faced this year. We know they've had three bad weather games as well. And they're still like bottom third of the league in defensive efficiency, 23rd by DVOA. So how bad are the Browns? That could be the worst defense (laughs) in the NFL. They they must be truly awful. Um, And we kind of saw that because Lamar still can't really complete a pass from the pocket. Um, And and I think he only threw, what, he completed 17 passes, something like that, or through 17. And he shredded them and they scored 47. So I still don't buy this offense whatsoever. Uh, I still don't think they're, they're efficient passing the ball. They're surely going to have some success rushing the ball. Um, but it might be a bad spot. They've had three primetime games in a row, a lot, lot of disruption due to COVID. So it was Pittsburgh, and then they went to the Cowboys on Tuesday night, and then obviously the Browns last week on a Monday night. So it, this could be a flat spot against the one and 13 Jaguars team. Um, and I think we're back to Minshew, who's probably the best of the Jags, QB. So maybe th plus 13 and a half is is worth a look. But again, this is this is not a glamorous game and I've I've not spent loads of time on it.
0: Yeah, same, same with me, uh Brett. I don't know how much you've you've you paid attention to this one. I I just view this as like, look, Baltimore's gonna win. How much they win by is kind of just up in the air to me. How 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 much are they going to you know, continue to do what they do well and risk an injury to Lamar when like, you know, their schedule is so easy. They're gonna coast into the playoffs at this point. So uh that's my problem with this is I don't I don't know how long we're going to see the full arsenal from Baltimore and what we're gonna see. So I think it would be dog or pass for me, but but uh nothing in the account right now.
1: I kinda like the over in this game. These these are two teams who operate at a slow pace in neutral script. But when Baltimore's ahead by a touchdown or more they try they tried to step on the throat of the other team they operated the fifth fastest pace and when when Jacksonville's down by a touchdown or more they throw a lot and operated the sixth fastest fastest pace uh baltimore's offense looking more like the baltimore offense of, of last season you know getting mark andrews back helps certainly and they're bullying teams on the ground again Uh i don't see why they won't be able to do that here against the worst ranked defense in the nfl according to football outsiders so with Lamar being Lamar again and the Jags getting the more capable quarterback back uh, my play here is uh, the over 47 and a half
0: Patriots and the Dolphins this is a lot of uh, this is a lot of people are scratching their head at the line on this one wondering why this Patriots team is only a point and a half dog to this Dolphins team and if you look they're only a point dog over at DraftKings we are sitting a uh, one point spread there one and a half over at FanDuel on this one. And look, uh, Brett, I've watched, you know, I've gone back in, you know, in my watching of the all, you know, the all 22s and things. And, you know, I've, I've tried to pay attention really a lot to this Dolphins team to try and figure out is this team actually any good or not? <laughs> like, what am I watching? I can't really figure out if, if I'm watching good team or bad team or, 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 or what. Uh, my conclusion is, is they are not they are not good but they are not bad they are about as middle that they play pretty good defense tua has been all right despite his box scores like listen tua has only been all right if you watch some of these throws it seems like he's still kind of struggling to the outside of the hash like he's pretty good over the middle of the field but there's there's certain things he I don't think has adapted to as quickly as maybe burrow and and herbert certainly have so far uh, that might be why we're sitting at just a point point and a half in this one and then the total in 2020 the year of our Lord 2020 we have a total of 41 and a half Brett what do you think about Patriots and Dolphins
1: yeah this is a matchup of two teams who have overperformed versus their metrics this season and a lot of that has to do with coaching I think but like you can't ignore some of these mind-boggling wins in which these two offenses were just abysmal uh i did like what i saw out of tua last week but that most of that came in negative script where the game was Mm -hmm. mostly out of reach in the fourth quarter what will we see tua do it in neutral script like can this kid put together uh a win with the game tight in the fourth quarter put the team on his back I, i i still need to see that um I I like this matchup for New England, too. Uh, They can do what they do best offensively against Miami, run the football, take advantage of this funnel defense up the middle of the field. And I think that makes a great case for the under in this game, too. Uh, Just grinding out a really slow pace and even with this like really low number i i, I don't see this going over 41 and a half 42 a whole lot it's an amusing matchup too like this is the annual sleepy patriots spot where they lose outright to a bad miami team and now now the patriots kind of stink and miami's on the upswing and the patriots are getting a lot of support from sharp better. so it's kind of like flipping uh flipping here it's a weird one, but I do think New England is is the right side. I capped this as a pick just because of the matchup. Uh, so I think if you can get Patriots a plus money, that's, that's where I would go, and I would lean under here as well.
0: Brad, the injury report certainly is not favoring the Dolphins by any stretch of the imagination. Jakeem Grant, Devontae Parker, Mike Gesicki, Eric Flowers – Kyle Van Noy, all just limited participants at practice. And so uh, that's never great whenever we are heading into a game right here. And specifically when I talk about those weapons for Tua, uh, Gasicki has really been his kind of go-to guy since he has taken over at quarterback. He has really liked to throw to the tight end. And and they've had some great success with that hard-to-imagine for me, that Gesicki is going to be back out there after separating his shoulder one week later. But again, I don't know. They're putting they're putting 11 pins in people's fingers and stuff. Like, I don't, you know, I I don't, I don't know. Like I'm no doctor. It seems to me though, uh, probably not in his best interest to get back out there a week later after uh, separating his shoulder. But uh, you know, there's a lot of weapons here, basically where I'm going with this is is, that might not be out there for Tua, which really does kind of sway my
2: opinion as to how this is, this game could play out. Yeah. And if those weapons do miss, and I think Parker seems like the most likely to play bit, you know, he's, he's still a question that's not given. They they could have Mac Hollins and Lynn Bowder as like the two, two right. top receivers. Um, and against Bill Belichick, I think that's a, a terrible matchup. Um, you know, kind of the narrative is, is Belichick against the rookie co- uh, rookie quarterback. And, you know, it, it's true. They, they've won 11 straight against rookie quarterbacks. Um, Rookie quarterbacks in their first game against New England, 0 and eleven straight up, and average 162 passing yards. Um, and you know he's done it this year to Kyler, obviously in his his third year. But you know he he finds he finds flaws that other coaches don't see, and then he just sort of mashes that that, that button and yeah. sort of kills them. Uh, and then he obviously did it with Herbert. Worst mm-hmm. game of the season for Herbert by far, 3.9 yards per attempt. And you know we see how good that offense is in in other situations. So I really don't think the Dolphins are going to be moving the ball. Um, So that probably leads me to the under because, as Brett says, I think the biggest mismatch in the game is New England offense. uh, First in rushing success rate on the year and the Dolphins, they're superb at stopping the pass, but they're 23rd in run defense DVOA. So... I don't think any of the Patriots receivers are getting open, and I think they'd probably be smart to just run four times in a row every set of first downs. Um, but for us, whether they score or not doesn't matter. But I think we're going to get a lot of moving clock and not much efficiency at all.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's weird that I'm going to be that I lean towards the Patriots here, want to come back on the Patriots side. Uh, but it just again, we'll we'll see how this injury report plays out. Saturday will tell us a lot more. Uh, I unfortunately think that this is probably going to be one of those game time decisions on a few of these guys. And so probably not a bet that's actually going to get in my account until maybe even like 90 minutes before kickoff when we get that final report as to how it's going to go. But I do have a pretty strong lean to the Patriots here with, given the information that I have right now uh, sitting here on Friday morning, uh, as far as what Tua is going to have at his disposal, 49ers and the Cowboys, um, Brad, 49ers are three point favorites over the Cowboys. Uh, we might actually get George Kittle back uh, for the 49ers. He has been practicing. They activated him off of the IR, which is just shocking to me. With the season going nowhere, I thought you would shut down your best player, um, but that is not going to be the case. Uh, Debo Samuel. That uh, that being said, is not going to be out there for the 49ers. So it'll be Ayuk kind of stepping in as the de facto number one wideout with uh with uh this with this offense and the Cowboys you know w- what is there to say about the Cowboys at this point I mean Zeke seems to be banged up uh, but he says he's going to play uh, lifeless pretty much is the only way I can explain this Cowboys team I didn't spend a lot of time I'll be perfectly honest guys I didn't spend a lot of time it, with this game because I don't want to watch this game like I don't I, I don't want to bet this game because I don't want to have to watch this game uh, Brad, what do you think about three points on uh, 49ers and Cowboys?
2: Um, I like another first half angle here again with the the Shanahan script, and I think the biggest mismatch here is is Shanahan and and that run game and, and what he's going to cook up against um, this this Cowboys defense. You know, Sh- Shanahan's famous for finding a defensive player and then just putting them in a blender and just going after them game after game. And I think Jalen Smith, the uh, middle linebacker for the Cowboys, like he can barely change direction at the best of times. So I think if you if anyone does watch that game I think they're going to see a lot of Jalen Smith running in the wrong direction and a lot of hmm. Raheem Mostert or Jeff Wilson um, just shooting upfield for 25 yards um, but yeah I mean otherwise the, the, like Mullins is awful we spoke about that last week they're like bottom five in success rate as, as soon as they're out of the script and he's forced to forced to pass and so yeah I, I, first quarter or first half for me when I think the kind of the Shanahan mismatch is the biggest um, And then that's where I play that one.
0: Brett, uh, Raheem Mostert doesn't look like he's going to go either, but they have, you know, 57 different running backs for the 49ers. So it doesn't really matter there. Uh, he, he doesn't look like he's going to go. Uh, the secondary for the Cowboys, not that it was good ever, but they have been they have been playing with just a rotating cast of guys out there. Finally, it looks like they might actually get back to the to the guys that they expected to be out there for them this season. Looks like Trevon Diggs and Jacoby Awuzy and, and Anthony Brown are all going to be Uh, active in this one, so don't know if that sways your opinion at all.
1: Not really. I I don't have a whole lot here. I mean, this could come down to who plays better in the first quarter because script is going to matter. One team prefers to slow the game down and grind it out, and the other wants to get into a a track meet. So he who controls the flow of this game is probably going to win. I I thought this was a fair number, so I don't really have a lean uh, on a side. I can't predict what's going to happen here.
0: Seahawks and the football team. And Brett, this would have been a much more fun game for me if it looked like Alex Smith was going to go for the football team. Um, Dwayne Haskins taking all of the reps. They have not ruled out, uh, I should say. They've not ruled out Alex Smith, and they are quote-unquote hopeful that he is going to play. But this number has moved in favor of the Seahawks because uh, it looks like, again, it looks like Alex Smith is not going to be able to go. This was sitting at five and a half just 24 hours ago, all the way to six and a half now in favor of the Seahawks, a total of 44 and a half. And look, this Washington defense amongst the very, very best in all of the NFL. This is one of those defenses where, I think, you know, I'm definitely guilty of it is not putting them in the same breath as some of the other elite defenses, the Saints and the Steelers or whatever uh, that are out there, but they deserve to be in that breath for sure. I mean, when we're talking about number 4 overall DVOA, number 4 overall PFF, they're number 2 against the pass DVOA, number 3 against the pass according to Pro Football Focus. Their tackling grades high, their pass rush win rate is up in the top 5 yards per play, yards per pass. I mean, just about everything you can look for early down success, they are right there with everybody else. And so, you know, I think they're going to give Seattle trouble and 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 I think they're certainly going to disrupt. The problem is is we've seen the Dwayne Haskins story play out, right? I mean, we've seen this guy start. The offense does not function with him under center. So it's very hard for me to back football team here, even though, you know, in other circumstances, I think I probably would have tried to.
1: Yeah, the question here is how many more points is Alex Smith worth than Dwayne Haskins? I I don't really know. I mean, this offense has definitely been more efficient with Smith under center, but a lot of people are pointing to these Washington wins and not giving enough credit to Chase Young and this defense, and this is not a great matchup for Seattle. Like The Hawks are 24th in pressure allowed, 30th in adjusted sack rate. Russ is going to be running for his life a lot in this game, and like you said, this, this Washington defense it has, has been tremendous. My bold take on this game is that Washington might actually be better off with Haskins in this specific matchup, the Hawks feed on running games with these elite linebackers. And Alex Smith, as we know, just love to dump it off and rely on these running backs to to make plays in space. With Haskins, they might open it up more and, and get Terry McLaurin some extra looks, take advantage of some of the speed they have on the outside. Uh, then they have a lot of speed on this offense. So I I think that's kind of my angle here is that, the, that the
0: YOLO factor might work in their benefit. Yeah,
1: maybe a yeah. little bit. So that's why I'm kind of leaning Washington now that this line has moved two points.
0: Yeah, I mean, if, if this thing does get to a, if this thing gets to a touchdown, you you'll see me on on Washington just out of principle here. There is something to be said for what you about Haskins being under there and the YOLO factor. I mean, we are looking at, you know, Terry McLaurin last two weeks, 14 yards and 24 yards receiving. For this team. And it's like, you know, because Alex Smith is just a different type of guy and and under center and doesn't really utilize what McLaren is really all about. And so, yeah, I mean, it, we know you can pass on this uh, on the secondary for Seattle. Brad, uh, this thing, again, is on the move up to six and a half, might even
2: get to seven before it's all said and done. Uh, yeah, I think Haskins is terrible. Uh, sixty first, sixty first among quarterbacks that have thrown a pass this year, and it's, one hundred and seventy seven dropbacks for him. So it's it's not a huge sample, but it's not nothing. You know, Darnell's got three hundred dropbacks. Yeah, so he, I like, he's really, really bad. I, I mean, I watched some of that game last week when he was in there, and there was people wide open over the middle, and he was just sailing it into defenders' hands, like he's awful I could not back him ever um, when the Seahawks got the ball I agree with Brett that it's a horrible matchup for us obviously he likes dropping back he likes to hold on to the ball he likes his deep balls and this is probably the best defensive line in the NFL they've got a banged up right tackle who who may play he might be hurt you know, he started last week and then left early um, so it's either a, a hobbled right tackle um, or his back up so that's not good for us either my other concern is that the football team defense is, although, as I say, very, very good on, on the front end, it might not be as good as the hype it's getting just because the last four weeks when they've been on this sort of mad tear, they've faced like three backup quarterbacks. Uh, they faced the Bengals and Burrow got injured early, although they did injure him, so they might get <laughs> some credit for that. Um, they faced uh, the Niners last week with Mullins in there. Um, they faced Ben Roethlisberger, or the, the corpse of Ben Roethlisberger. So... They are, they are very, very good, but none of them is Russell Wilson. So that, that's, that one's a bit tough for me to, to handicap because I think they will pressure him and will sack him a lot, but I think he also gets his plays as well. Um, so throw it all together. My favorite bet might be the under 44. As I say, I, I don't think Haskins is moving anyone anywhere. Um, and I think Russ could be a, a bit less efficient than usual uh, and as we've spoken about before they're, they're running the ball on early downs again um, because Carol wants to uh, establish the run because he's a moron as well so under yes. 44 for, for me would be the look currently
0: yeah it was when the news came out about it that Alex Smith wasn't going to play I was trying to get on the Seahawks before it had gotten to six I mean six has become a much more key number for me and I don't know about you guys uh, when it comes to handicapping with as many extra points that get missed these days and as many times as these coaches are going for two and you know and rightfully so in a lot of occasions but uh, you know they're going for two a lot and uh, six now has moved into something that I actually value fairly high and so when it moved off the five and a half on six, that was something that that kind of kept me off of this one. If it were to move to the full touchdown, maybe you could find me uh, a small play on Washington, but I expect them. Like I said, I, I do expect this defense to give Seattle trouble. I do not expect Seattle to have uh, a field day or anything like that uh, scoring some points, but I just very hard for me. I've like I said, I've seen the Dwayne Haskins story play out. I've seen this time and time again. I know how this movie ends. and It's pain whenever you're holding a ticket for the Washington football team. So uh, that's probably probably not going to end up there unless I can get a full touchdown in this thing. Buccaneers and the Falcons, the Bucks, after their bye week, came back last week. Offense not necessarily sharp, but we did see that defense kind of start to look a little bit more like we saw in the first eight weeks of the season. And that was going to be my biggest question with this Bucks team. Was what were they going to look like coming out of this bye from a defensive standpoint? Not necessarily from an offensive standpoint, because the defense was really what was keeping them in, in, a, in a lot of these games and uh, you know, winning games even for them early in early on in the season. It looked like that either they were wearing down or t- uh, teams had figured out what their scheme was on defense, something like that. And, and they were not having near the success leading up to that bye. they came out, looked a little bit more like their old self. And um, mainly when I look at this, Brad, it's just, uh, you know, the bucks uh, Tom Brady's shot, man. Like, I mean, I don't know what, I don't know what else to say. Like if he has all day to stand in there, he can still rifle like a, a an eight yard pass or an 11 yard pass, but Outside of that, he just doesn't make the throws anymore, and it just it's it's very hard for me to back this Bucks team with big numbers when you know when I know Tom Brady's a quarterback here. I guess the other thing on the Falcon side of the ball, Julio Jones is not a lock to go in this one. Of course, he sat last week as well, so that could play into how people uh, view the handicap of this one as well. Six points, forty nine and a half on the total. He was just ruled out, actually just now ruled out. Okay. There it is. So no Julio.
2: Um, so yeah, I mean, there are significant splits without Julio if we start there. Um, so just over the last month since the Falcons buy, uh, where he's been in and out of the lineup ineffective because of that hamstring, um, they've been second last in the NFL in, in success rate. So, you know that Matt Ryan looks shot over over his last four games. He's got four touchdown passes and seven turnovers. So they're not moving the ball at all, and I don't really see why they would move the ball here. The Bucks, the Bucks defense has been up and down all year. Obviously, early in the year after they smashed up the Packers, everyone thought they were you know the 2002 Bucks, um, th- and then obviously the last month they've they've looked bad as well but I think they're getting back to the good unit. They get Jamel Dean, the cornerback. He's, he's good. He's, mm-hmm. he's coming back. And they faced one of the top five toughest um, schedules here on defense. So I, I, think, I think they're very well set up here to, to shut down the Falcons. And then the other side of the ball, I'll probably agree with you, Matt, that Brady's washed. Uh, last week, he, you know, all the time in the world to sit in that pocket. And he's just not that efficient anymore, whether it's the scheme or whatever, whatever it is, yeah. they're not moving the ball that well. And I think you ally that with the Falcons defensive improvement as well. Uh since week six, they're giving up 20 points a game, um, sixth in EPA per play allowed in, in neutral game scripts, and ninth in success rate. So at 49 or 49.5, where this sits currently, I think there's a bit of juice in the under.
0: Brett, this is uh, you know. Th- Like I said, there are a couple of throws that Brady still makes and and still looks like, you know, Brady of 10 years ago. But outside of that, it's it's pretty evident. Right. And I think that's why this offense is so incredibly clunky, because they are limited in what kind of plays they can actually run because of how limited Tom Brady is right now. Um, It's just it's. I can't, it's hard for me to, I want to back Tampa here, especially now that you're telling me Julio's not going to play for Atlanta, a bad offense, uh, like uh, Atlanta's offense has not been good, as Brad mentioned over the last month and a half of the season, as it is anyway, and they're certainly not better when Julio is not out there. It seems like you, a place that you want to back Tampa, but it's just so hard when you know what you're getting in, in Brady these days.
1: Yeah, we're going into week 15, and I still don't know who this Bucks team is. Like, I watch this offense every week, and all I see is a team that leaves points on the field because of a terrible quarterback. But then I look at the metrics, and they're telling a different story. Fifth offense DVOA, sixth passing offense DBA, fifth and pass offense grade. I mean, What? What, I know what. What am I missing here? Like, if that's the case, and this offense really is good, they should be able to just walk all over this Falcons team. And, yeah. and maybe that's why this line moved three points off the look ahead. It's five and a half. Look ahead was two and a half here, uh, but there has been a lot of pushback on Atlanta in the market when it gets to six. People are buying. People are buying that, and it's getting back to five and a half. So I, I don't really know what to make of this game. I mean, the Bucks should be able to punish this one-dimensional offense uh, that is now likely to be without. Several key players, including Julio, but which Buck's offense is going to show up which which Bucks offense is going to show up like we've seen very different versions this season, so i i don't know what' to do with this
0: yeah i you know I probably won't if you are prone to play in teasers, you know uh, maybe you just uh, I don't think the Bucks lose this game. I'll put it that way. Like I don't think they lose, but do they win by touchdown becomes the the concern for me. Maybe you just want to tease this thing down to a pick 'em. Um if you like another game to pair it up with, you can take a 6-point teaser down to where the Bucks only have to win this game. I do think they win. I just don't know if they do it by a touchdown or not. Uh, again, I, I think we're all in agreement. They should. Like, they should be able to, given all of the, everything that's going on, especially with them getting healthier and, and, and fresher and stuff on defense. But I, uh, I can't get there on that one. So it may be a teaser leg for me or a pass, I believe the jets and the rams uh brett if you have a if you have a, a any anything on this one, let me know a seventeen and a half point spread in the nFL is nothing I typically uh get involved with whenever uh on a week to week basis and then when you're talking about a team as bad as the jets, you understand why it's seventeen and a half like you know it seems like in these situations it's a dog or pass type- type deal, but I'll tell you right now I'm not going to hold a jets ticket. Whenever they lose this game by 31, I'm just not going to do it. So, uh, tell tell me tell me why you should back the Jets because I have a feeling you you're, you're going to do that.
1: No, I, this is actually a little embarrassing. I skipped over this game. I have no notes on this game. I that I guess that tells the story of, of, of this game. I just don't. I just don't no, care. No, <laughs> so that's I, awesome. I, maybe no. you guys can tell me something.
0: No, that's awesome because like that is that is that le- that is the key to letting everybody know that this is a game that you have no interest whatsoever yeah. in betting. I mean, you know, Brad. I typically just don't get involved with these type of uh, of games. Whenever if I have a full if I have a full slate, there's you know, so many other games to bet. I tend not to. What do you think about Jets and
2: Rams? The angle I liked was another another script angle here. So the Jets are surprisingly good. They I think they've scored seven straight opening drive points. Um, a, a lot of times it's field goal because you know they're still terrible. But it's similar with McVeigh as well. Obviously they have a very good yeah. um, scheme. So. I I don't mind first quarter over, or if you're an in-play better, wait for those two drives out of the way, and then bet under forty-seven and a half. If it's mm. you know if it's seven-three or something, because as soon as the Rams get a good lead, they will shut this down in the second half. They will just run, 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 milk clock, and you know you might see like a ten-nil second half. Um, and yeah, I, I cannot see the Jets scoring points here. So uh, yeah, have a look in play at the under after a quarter or so.
1: If that's yeah, the that's, script, then doesn't that play into the hands of the Jets, who are actually good at stopping the run? Like, how are the Rams going to cover 17 if they're just running the ball every, every first, second down in the like, late in the third, fourth quarter?
0: Strip sacks, pick sixes, <laughs> yeah. short fields. Yeah. Like, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know.
2: Do they care about this game as well? They've just got smashed right. in Seattle, fly ha- back, flyed home. Like, do, I don't know if they care at all. I just, you know, like I said, typically this is like a dog or pass type situation,
0: but I could, I'm not, like I said, I'm not holding a Jets ticket when they lose this game by 30. I'm just not, I'm just, I'm just not going to do it. I'd feel like an idiot. So just not going to go there on that. Uh, Eagles and Cardinals. This is one of the more interesting games of the week. Of course, the Eagles coming off of Jalen Hurts first start where he looked pretty good. They came out with a different offense that, um, you know, it seemed to take the Saints by uh, surprise, which I was surprised about myself because I figured that the Eagles were going to come, you know, feature a r- more run-heavy quarterback run type uh, type offense with Hurts. Because if not, why put him in there? I mean, you might as well just stick with, with Carson Wentz. But uh, they enter this one as six-and-a-half-point dogs, Brett. And uh, the Cardinals, you know, we've been questioning, and I think now a lot of people are questioning the true health of of uh, Kyler Murray. And I think, uh, you know, I'm starting to hear that narrative a little bit more because of some of the throws he's missing, some of the decisions that he's making that he wasn't making earlier on in the, in the season. So um, a lot of points for them to try and cover against an Eagles defense that I think if we're being fair has, has shown up pretty much all season. Like they, they, they can't overcome the ineptitude of the offense, by any stretch, but the, the Eagles defense has not just been completely, you know, whitewashed really in any of these games. I think they've shown up and played pretty well, uh, six and a half as we sit right now.
1: Yeah. The defense has been fine, but look at this secondary right now, like Avante Maddox, out, Rodney McLeod, Darius Slade trending toward out. He's in concussion protocol. Uh, so this, (laughs) If, if Kyler can make throws against this triage Philly secondary, he's going to do whatever he wants back there. And on the other side of the ball, I guess I'm just taking a stand against Jalen Hurts here. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm selling. Like, last week, 18 carries for 106 yards on the ground. Uh, so much of that was in positive script. Like, they... I want. I need to see him playing from behind, and then I think we're going to see a different Jalen Hurts uh, this week versus last week when he's actually forced to make throws downfield. So I, yeah, the, the Kyler the Kyler thing is a concern. He was a little more mobile last week, which I like. Mm-hmm. He ran fifteen times, thirteen times. He ran only fifteen in his previous three games combined. So I like that uh, part of it. They are letting him get out and, and do what he does best. Uh, so I, I think. Because of what this Philly secondary looks like and because Kyler's had a little more time to heal, I'm I'm on Arizona here, short of a touchdown.
0: Uh, Brad, listen, what we've seen, too, with these, you know, teams that make these quarterback switches, the first start for the guy when there's no tape on him whatsoever. uh, You know, we've seen some success with these guys and Jalen Hurts bringing a different element to this offense uh, certainly looked, like I said, for whatever reason to take the Saints by surprise. I mean, they just that first half of that game looked like they were completely befuddled as to what was going on in that game. Um, But we do have a week of tape now, and we do have a week to prepare for what Jalen hurts brings to the table. And while this Cardinals offense has not been, I mean, defense has not been good by any stretch of the imagination. It hasn't been terrible and actually played a little bit better over the last month of the season as well. Do you think, Think this is a welcome to the NFL type situation
2: for Hertz, or do you think that they can keep this thing close? Yeah, on your last point, I feel a bit like the Cardinals' defense are kind of the perfect NFL defense. A, a good team will beat them, and a, they can shut down bad teams like the Cowboys or, or like the Giants last week. Um, and I think of is, so I think Hertz is probably being overrated. So as you say, he had the element of surprise, but he was quite bad at passing the ball. His passing grade was forty point nine. So that was that would have been the second lowest grade by PFF of an Eagles quarterback this year. Um, and then just, just reading through some film reviews, it was basically a lot. I'm just going to quote, I think this is from For The Win. Uh, The the passing game plan was basic with a lot of day one installs, so four verts, mesh. Uh, Saints busted a lot of coverages. The throwing game was not pretty. Hurts missed a wide open Jalen Rager. Uh, Besides that, there weren't even many deep passing attempts. So it's basically... It sounds like they've just gone for a high school offense, four verts and a lot of runs, a lot of RPOs, and, and it caught the Saints off guard and they busted a few coverages, which I don't think we can really assume is going to happen again this week. Um, so, so how have I bet this? When it opened, I thought, oh, six and a half is too big. <laughs> then, so I bet that, but looked into Hertz sounds like he wasn't as impressive as perhaps the box score looked, And then the Eagles defensive injuries as Brett went through is, is scary. And now I think I'm fully flipped. I think um, Cardinals, you can get minus six. And I think that actually is the bet here.
0: Chiefs and the saints in what is uh, pretty much the only good game of the week. Uh, (laughs) Like like this is a garbage week in the NFL, as far as matchups, thank goodness there's betting because if there wasn't, this would be a, this would be a week that a lot of people would be taking off. Um, the lowest spread of the week as well. It is now down to two and a half in some Breeze spots. Is in, by the way. Yeah, Breeze is going to play for the Saints, which is uh which is quite interesting. Is did anything come out about Michael Thomas, though? Because he missed practice on Thursday, which was not part of his typical routine, which I think is uh which I think is a little interesting in, in that, but um, uh, two and a half or three right now favored are the chiefs, a total of 52 and a half in this one. Um, Brad, when we look at this chiefs team, don't get me wrong. They're amazing, but they're really only amazing at one thing, but they're just so good at it that they continue to win games, but they're really, really, really good at passing the ball. And then outside of that, the rest of this team, they can't run. The defense is only okay. They don't really get a lot of, pre- I mean, like there's a lot of, there are a lot of warts on this team, but it almost gets overlooked because of the Mahomes, Tyree kill, Travis Kelsey factor. but. Outside of passing the ball, this is kind of a middle-of-the-road team. So I understand. I think a lot of people probably would be looking at that spread going, how in the hell are they only a two-and-a-half or three-point favorite over this Saints team? And it's because, well, you know, one bad game passing the ball, and I think this Chiefs team is a little vulnerable.
2: Yeah. I mean, it just so happens the thing they're best at is, is the most important thing in, yeah. in the modern NFL. So, that, so they're good. But they're missing. They could be missing their top three tackles this week. Um, Eric Fisher, Mike Rummers both didn't practice, and obviously right tackle Mitchell Schwartz is already on injured reserve. So that could be big because the Saints are good up front. They've got three good pass rushes, and they they can cover behind it as well. So that that's a bit of an unknown because if like earlier in the year, you know, I thought the Chiefs wouldn't be able to block the Ravens, but they did so much. Motion, so much window dressing, so much trick plays, so many trick plays that it kind of didn't matter. And I wonder, you know, this is kind of a test of how how good is Reed if if they literally can't block the Saints, which I think is a realistic chance because they're going to have an undrafted rookie and a guy who's never played a snap potentially at both tackles against a good pass rush. Like, how good is Mahomes? How good is Reed? And I I don't really know the answer. Um, And then on the other side, Breeze, I, I. I think is arguably a downgrade. Like how how good is he going to be off a month of no practice with like he had 11 broken ribs and that was about, what was yeah. that four weeks ago yeah punctured lung he, he's old he's, he's 42 I think yeah. 43 so a good few hits on him as well could could make a big difference here you, you know that that offense is so based on rhythm that surely if he's if he's not crisp then it's going to slow down as well so maybe the under is worth a look as well um, obviously there's a lot of late breaking stuff going on here literally in the last half hour breeze playing so I, I haven't bet it and I don't have a strong opinion yet but there could be issues for both offenses.
0: So, Brett, I laid the three um, with the Chiefs in this situation. Again, I didn't think Breeze was going to play. I don't think it changes my opinion all that much on how this game is going to play out. At the end of the day, um, this this Saints offense is a little clunky as well, right? Like they, uh, with Breeze back under center, it also changes a whole lot of what they do, right? I mean, this is going to be now... So now Alvin Kamara becomes relevant again. And what you know, like all of the dump offs, all the underneath stuff, all of those different things. Uh, Of course, Breeze hasn't really played this season with a fully healthy team either. Um, He's either had Michael Thomas out or Emmanuel Sanders out or whatever. So like he hasn't really, he hasn't really manned this version of this offense either. So I don't know if just out of the gate, he they're going to come out just 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 firing on all cylinders here for being perfectly honest I mean it's it's been a long time since he's played the dude is at 11 freaking broken ribs I mean like uh, at 41 years old and again like he he hasn't played with this version of this offense this year you know there hasn't been a time where Kamara and Thomas and Sanders and all of them were all healthy at the same time so I I don't I don't know, man. I I laid the three with Kansas City when it opened when I thought I was getting Taysom Hill, and uh, even with getting this news that that Breeze is going to start doesn't really change my opinion all that much. I think Kansas City just outscores them in this game.
1: Yeah, I would actually like the Saints more in this matchup with Taysom at quarterback Mm -hmm. because, one, you're getting a better number, and, two, you're facing a KC team that does not defend the run well. Like The Chiefs Chiefs built this defense to stop a Drew Brees offense, not stop a Taysom Hill offense. So I think if Taysom's Mm -hmm. under center – that gives the Saints an advantage. So I mm-hmm. wonder how much and we do see in this matchup because they have been pretty efficient with him under center, and, and I can see them wanting to run the football here and keep Mahomes off the field as much as possible. Um, so I don't really know what to expect from the yeah. Saints' offense. So it's hard to cap this game. Uh, the Chiefs, they they get up for these big games. I mean, Mahomes is at his best in, in these spots where he can it can show showcase how good he is. Um, although he did struggle a little bit early in last week's mm-hmm. game. Uh, but yeah, I don't really know what to expect. Uh, I, I I lean Chiefs, especially if you can get the two and a half. Um, but I, this is, I think this is one where I'm just going to sit back and, and watch because it's going to be an awesome game.
0: Yeah, it's going to be awesome. And and like I said, that is a good point to bring up. Just because Drew Brees is going to be active and is going to play in this game, that does not mean, especially with, with Taysom getting as many meaningful snaps, As he has and with uh, we know the love affair that Sean uh, that Sean Payton has with Taysom Hill. I imagine we probably still see a pretty healthy dose of Taysom Hill in this game as well. So something that going to be tough to handicap um, because we don't really know exactly what version of everything we're going to see here. Uh, Cleveland Browns and the New York Giants I have laid it with the Browns Um, I got it at a better number so this is not a brag this is just I was laying it with the Browns regardless and then we find out that uh, you know Daniel Jones likely not to go going to be Colt McCoy most likely Bradbury is not going to be able to go for the Giants then we find out that that Jason Garrett gets the COVID. And so it's going to be Freddie Kitchens calling plays against his team that just threw him out last season. I mean, all the narrative stuff here is so great with all this, but I mean, frankly, uh, this Browns team should be able to do um, whatever they want to through the air here against this, uh, against his Giants team. And I think we saw last week that they have figured something out with this offense without Odell out there, which is very weird. Um, I don't know if it is less pressure on Baker Mayfield. I don't know if they just aren't trying to get vertical as many, as much like they're, they're letting it come to them as opposed to them forcing it down the field to Odell. I don't know exactly what it is, Brett, but um This Browns team is a little bit more efficient on the offensive side of the ball. And again, the Giants, uh, as bad as the Browns defense is, I just the the, the Giants offense has been has been so, so, so abysmal. They've just been absolutely atrocious. Um, Again, I got this at a better number, but it's sitting at six and a half right now. Do you think the Giants keep this keep this thing within a touchdown?
1: I think they could my head my head is spinning with all these injuries and coaching narratives and you know we're sitting yeah. in, a, in, dead, in a dead zone I, I don't know what to do with this game and usually in, these are the types of games where I try to outthink myself and I go galaxy brain and do something stupid so I'm trying to I'm trying to stay away <laughs> I'm trying to stay away from this game because I honestly have no idea
0: Brad, what did you uh what do you what do you think is what do you think is the advantage for the Giants in this game if there is anything? Try and make a, a case for the Giants here um so that we can, you know, if somebody's watching this and they want to bet the Giants. Is there a case that you can make for the Giants?
2: I guess the case would be they replicate what they did against Seattle. Um And, you know, just have a kind of breakout defensive performance. Mm. Um, Do I think they can realistically do that? Probably not. You know, they're they're 14th in rush defense DVOA. And I don't know if that's going to be enough to stop Cleveland. Um, And then, yeah, as you say, Colt McCoy, you know, no matter how bad the Browns defense is, I don't think Colt McCoy is going to have that much success. Um, and you would think, so uh, one concern I had be- was that the Browns might be flat after that kind of mega shootout Monday night against the, the division rivals. And then, you know, you go, you go to the Giants who you don't really care about that much. Um, but now with Kitchens calling plays, you, you know, I, I he, he was an awful play caller. Yeah. You yeah. Know, all, all those stories came out after, after the end of last year where they would, Game plan all week, and then on Sunday he would just come up with his own plays and just call them. Yeah. And it was, you know, it was like slants, go rounds, Like, yeah, it, he's abysmal. So, yeah, I, yeah, I, I could only lay, I could only lay it with Cleveland. I, I personally missed the mm-hmm. boat a bit, um, annoyingly. I had an offer up in the exchange for minus five, and never got matched like an idiot. So I'm, I'm leaving it <laughs> alone for now. Um, you know, maybe maybe I'll have a closer look come come the game, but nothing nothing for me currently
0: yeah i uh I like what I've seen out of this Cleveland offense actually over over the last you know about about the last this i guess it's been about six weeks now where they have really are playing much more into Baker's skill set right and like not trying to square peg round hole type situation where yeah it's gonna be more underneath stuff it's going to be more you know uh keep it keep it simple, and then every now and then take a shot down the field as opposed to, you know, where they were doing that all the time when Odell was out on the field, you know, and I think there was just pressure to try to get the ball to Odell, and I'm sure he brought a lot of that, you know, to the sidelines as well, and without him out there, I think Baker looks more calm and more collected and more confident even in his throws and and the game plan, and uh, I think they're playing his skill set a lot better here, and like you said, too, uh, you know, if there is a if there is a, a strength to this uh, uh, Giants defense, it would be their rush. Uh, it would be their rush defense. That said, it's a kind of a different situation with this Browns team. They just run the ball so incredibly well, so effective with those with that two headed monster there. So uh, I, I think Cleveland wins this game. Um, I, I think Cleveland wins this game probably pretty handily. So I, I like this one kind of one of my favorite plays of the week. Hate to end this thing on a uh, on a downer here, but uh, you know, hey Brett, tell me how you're going to play the Steelers and Bengals with a 13 point spread. Uh, go to town because I mean, it's basically like the Steelers can win by whatever they want to win by, but how how much are they going to win by? And that, these are the type of games I just I just don't play because it's like, yeah, could they win this thing by 20? Of course they could, but are they going to do that? Tomlin's the type of guy too that would sit on a lead and not like continue to put his foot on. The gas. So then you're going to try to talk yourself into a back door, and I just, yeah, you want to talk about Galaxy Brain in a game? Yeah, like this is the type of game that just uh, that does that to me. So uh, unless you have a strong opinion, I, I do not.
1: I actually think this is a pretty good week to hop back on Pittsburgh. I mean, look, yeah. we've been saying for weeks this offense isn't good, but the positive thing about this particular matchup is that the Bengals' inadequacies on offense should also help the Pittsburgh offense in the form of field position and Pittsburgh might be able to score points with their defense here too. Like this is a bottom five offensive line facing the most elite pass rush in the NFL, a pass rush that everyone watched struggle last week Mm -hmm. because that Buffalo is excellent at protecting Josh Allen. Not the case here at all. Not to mention Brandon Allen is not Josh Allen. So this is a high urgency get right spot for Pittsburgh, similar to uh, a game against Jacksonville, a really bad Jacksonville team last month where they just dominated on both sides of the ball and won that game so easily. I think they won by like 24. So I like the buy low opportunity here uh, for the Steelers. I capped this at 14. So, you know, 11 and a half, 12 and a half is where I would buy.
0: Brad, what do you think about
1: 13 on the Steelers? 13 now.
2: 13. Um, yeah. I'll probably, probably prefer the Steelers side. I think it's a mismatch on in the trenches on, on both sides of the ball. Um, You know, although the Steelers are missing pass rushes, they should, you know, the Bengals are missing their left tackle as well. And I think they will get eight sacks or so. Um, And then they should protect Ben very, very well. I doubt there's going to be much pass rush coming in. Um, now the, the last time these two played, it was a wind game. It was about twenty-five mile an hour wind, and they had Roethlisberger throw about forty-six times, despite being up like twenty points. Um, I remember it vividly because I had the under, and it lost by a half point. <laughs> but it, it, I, it seemed to me that the Steelers want to bully people. Like they want to bully the Bengals. They want to put up thirty on them, and especially after this last couple of weeks where they've been humbled a bit, it wouldn't surprise me to see them come and try and you know reestablish where where the big dogs in in this division. Um, so I could only lay it. You you could you couldn't take thirteen points with with right. this quarterback against this defense. I think you'd be nuts. Um, and a defensive touchdown is, is is in the in the sky somewhere.
0: Yeah, that's uh, that's my plate as well. It's like typically on these big ones. I'm like, oh, it's either a dog or or pass. There's no way I could take the dog here. It's like it's either you lay it or you or you just move on. And uh, it's Monday night. So you're going to watch the game. anyway. (laughs) Unfortunately, you're going to watch the game as it is anyway. So maybe you're uh, maybe you have some action on this one way. Or the other uh, guys, as always written breakdowns over at the lines and play picks. So be sure and head over there and take, uh, take in all of the written goodness that is at these. And, and listen, we had talked about this time and time again, these lines, they vary. We talk about the different totals. We talk about the different juice that's involved. So be sure and have multiple outs in your, in your arsenal here. And you can do that at the lines as well. Just click on your state, and you'll find all of the best places that you can sign up for uh, for a sports book inside your state because, again, get the best odds, get the best juice, get the right numbers, do all that. It's going to help you make more money. If you want to follow Brett, at Brett Coulson. If you want to follow Brad at Brad Allen NFL. If you want to follow me, at MattBrownM2. For Brad, for Brett, I'm Matt. Talk to you guys next week.